0: Today's episode is brought to you by Canvas. Do you know how long it takes you to measure and model an as built? Probably more time than you'd like. Canvas replaces hours of manual measuring with a few minutes of scanning with your iPhone or iPad. And Canvas eliminates the hours, if not days, of taking your measurements and turning them into a 3D as built or 2D floor plan, all for pennies per square foot. You can try Canvas for free and download it at www.canvas.io and make sure to use promo code BF. That's www.canvas.io and promo code BF23. All right, now back to the show. Hey, I'm Spencer Powell, and welcome to Remodeler Stories, where we highlight remodelers. Every remodeler has a unique story and journey, and we can all learn from each other. Stay tuned. For a mix of inspiration, tactical tips, unique strategies, and some laughter. The remodeling business is tough, but rewarding, and we're all in this together. Let's kick this thing off. Before we get into today's show, let's talk about our show sponsor, Remodeler Growth Community. Remodeler Growth Community is a peer to peer networking group exclusively for remodelers. For a low monthly fee, you get access to some of the best minds in the industry life-changing business strategies, and the ability to connect and learn from people who've walked the path you walk. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. 100% satisfaction guaranteed or your money back, so there's absolutely no risk to you. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. Today, I sit down with Allison and Craig Guido of Almar Building and Remodeling Company, Allison joined the team in 2002, full-time after graduating from West Virginia Wesleyan College. As CEO, Allison oversees the team as a whole. Craig, originally from West Virginia, joined the team in 2004 as a carpenter and then moved into project management and currently leads Almar's project development team. Had a great conversation with Allison and Craig about family dynamics, as well as running the family business. So let's dive in with Allison and Craig. Hey, Allison. Hey, Craig. How are you guys doing? Doing great.
1: Great. Thanks for having us today.
0: Yeah. Give everyone a little bit of context. You know, who are you? What's the company? And where are you guys located?
2: Yeah. So Allison and I own Almar Building and Remodeling. We are a full service remodeling general general contractor. We're located in Hanover, Massachusetts, which if you know Massachusetts, it's it's sort of between Boston and Cape Cod. We kind of service that area and Allison is third-generation owner of of Almar.
1: Yeah, my grandfather started the company in the 50s, and then my dad took over in the mid-70s. And when I graduated from college in the 2000s, he said, why don't you come home and work for me for a year while you find an apartment and find a job? And that was 20 years ago. So he's retired, (laughs) and now I'm still running the business.
0: Cool. No, that's awesome. Yeah. So, well, I'm curious then. I want to find out whatever you know about like how the company was started and then then we'll kind of zoom into like how you came into it in the first year. But do you do yeah, you know so much about the the early innings? <laughs>
1: my grandfather was an insurance salesman in Boston in the Boston area and back in the 50s it was door to door and he would go and talk to stay-at-home moms the time about insurance for their house and life insurance. And inevitably they would get to talking about their house. And he said that, you know, people would ask him if they knew people who would do repairs. And he thought this would might be a real good side gig. He's already talking to people. And so he and one of his other friends decided to start also selling remodeling while they were out there selling insurance. And so my grandmother's name was Alice and his partner's wife's name was Mary. And so they put their wives' names together for, to make Almar. And so that's kind of how they got started.
2: And then uh, your father, Allison's father, took it over in the, probably the late 60s, early 70s and uh, kind of turned us more into what we are today, which is when your grandfather ran it, it was a lot of, I mean, those were back in the aluminum siding days and, and starting to do asphalt roofing. And then when your dad took it over in the late 60s, early 70s, and through the 70s and 80s, as, as sort of the industry changed, right, and, you know, remodeling kitchens became a thing and remodeling bathrooms became a thing, you know, your dad started to grow the business more and more on on that over time. Yeah.
0: What was your context of it, like growing up in that family environment? Were you on job sites a lot or were you just like, nope, well, this dad's doing his thing, you know? <laughs>
1: Nope. We're a family where everybody works so everybody eats. And so my mom had gone to law school in the mid, in the early eighties. And my dad spent more time at home while running the business. And the rest session of nineteen, of the late eighties came. And so my first real gig besides helping on job sites, clean up nails was he took me and my sister and dropped us in neighborhoods and we dropped flyers and door hangers off. And I labeled all of them. And so that's kind of how I got started. And then in high school, I worked on the newsletter and drove around in the truck. And then in college, I ran vinyl siding crews. And so I've worked in the field and in the office. And I kind of transitioned after college from the vinyl siding into running the office and taking over that aspect of the business.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. No, that's super cool. So yeah, you said kind of after after school, it was like, hey, come come here while you're looking for a job. like, was that mostly office-related stuff when you when you came in right then?
1: Yeah. So my first summer out of college, I was still working in the field doing vinyl siding and acting as a gopher. And in college, I had come home and attended the JLC Live conferences with them. And so I always had these like, oh, we should do this. We should do that kind of ideas. And so slowly after that first summer, I started spending one night day in the office and then two and kind of figuring out, following my dad around with a notepad and writing down how he did what he did so that I could replicate what he was doing and take that off of his
2: plate. And those early days too, when you first started in the business, your dad was everything, right? So your dad did all of the estimating, all of the sales, and then he was still out in the field working and, and being project manager and even swinging the hammer some days. So You know, the business was a different model then as to what it is now.
1: Yeah, everything was in his head. And so I kind of took the role of how do I get stuff out of his head so that I can do some of it for
2: him?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So, Craig, how would you get thrown into the mix?
2: <laughs> yeah, right. That's that's the crazy part. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Allison and I met in college. I have a, a degree in theatrical lighting design, and so after college, you know, I we we moved to the Boston area. I was working in that industry, and and that industry is cool. I have great war stories to tell people and people I've met, but it was just tough hours. And as we were sort of our growing our relationship, it was really tough for. You know, her to essentially have a regular job, you know, Monday through Friday and, and for me to have a lot of weekends and nights. And so we weren't seeing each other a lot. So about a year and a half after Allison was in the company, her and her father approached me and they were like, so if you guys are going to continue with this relationship, maybe you should think about working in a different industry, maybe our business. And, and there was a lot that went into that decision, I think, for you guys.
1: Yeah, we were starting to think about my dad's retirement plan and how are we going to find somebody who can replace him in the business in doing the sales. And so we kind of talked about what our strengths and weaknesses were and what Craig's strengths and weaknesses were.
2: Yeah. And I think since because I was you know, I'm fairly tech, I, I'm technical. I'm not afraid to use tools. I knew how to use, you know, build things. And so my first two, three years in the company, I think my first year, I was just a laborer. I was in the field. I was installing windows. I was learning, you know, the basics of, you know, working in the in the industry for a while. Then be, I was a project manager. I did about three years of project managing. And then, you know, about my third year, fourth year into the business, they started really working me into sales. And I did some Sandler training. I did some other stuff, got involved with, you know, the local Neri and a few other organizations and kind of educated myself and working with her father as well to sell. And so that, you know, that was sort of our path of getting me into, and now I'm, I primarily do sales and, and act as an owner as well. Yeah. Cool.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. So how did that like dynamic unfold? Like with the three of you kind of, you know, all taking on different roles in the business, high points, (laughs) low points, or was it just pretty, pretty smooth? It was a no, there was, was nothing smooth
2: about it. it no, smooth. no, You know, I and mean, anybody who has a multi-generational business and has dealt with, you know, going from one generation to the next knows that it's, it's never easy. It's never easy for the new generation. It's never easy for the old generation. And I think there were challenges, you know, luckily, I think that the three of us communicate fairly well together, your father and, and, and the two of us. And so that was a good thing. We definitely butted heads a lot and we definitely had the problem. Especially early on of of we talked about work all the time. We would go, it would be we'd be away on the weekend and, and hanging out together and and all we'd be talking about was work. And it it started to, you know, for us, it started to really kind of control our life and it was not we didn't have a great work life balance, the three of us, especially in those early years. And so one of the things that Allison really started was she started that we had to say to each other when we didn't want to talk about work or we were frustrated with each other for talking about work, we'd just say, Hey, we'll talk about that Monday. And so we did that all the time.
1: Didn't matter what day of the week it was. Yeah. And the response back is the other person keeps talking is you just keep repeating. We'll talk about that Monday. We'll talk about that Monday until they stop talking.
0: Nice. I like it. Yeah. That's good though. You know, you develop the little, yeah, whatever tools you need.
2: So
1: yeah. Yeah. Setting those those communication boundaries when it was, my dad was part of it. And even now is, has been really important.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, when... You have a multi generational business and you're tied together financially because we you are like you know we all had we all were living off of the business. I think it does add these these stressors to to the relationship that you have to be able to to navigate. And we've talked to a lot of people who have tried to have secession plans in their businesses and failed just because of the inability to communicate with each other.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's amazing how often it does not transfer down to the next generation, even though you see it a lot, but then there's so many that, you know, that never make it. So no, that that's interesting. I'm curious too. like, just what was the size of the business? What kinds of projects were you working on kind of around this time? Like I think Craig, you said you're maybe four or five years in.
2: It, it was interesting. Cause like I said earlier, when, when Allison came into the business, Terry was selling you know, maybe 700,000 a year, a million a year. If that. you say no, No, maybe even... Our
1: first year, we did $340,000 the first year I started the business.
2: So that's crazy to think about now. And so, but he was, you know, primarily he was going out, he was making the sales, he was doing the work. And so there was a lot that, you know, his play. And with Allison and I coming into the business, we knew that wasn't going to be sustainable. We didn't want to swing hammers into our fifties. I couldn't do it. I knew
1: I could. I had to build a business that could run function more on its own than what my dad did. Because the if things got tight, I'm not jumping back into the field. And so yeah. what do I need to do to build a business that can sustain better than that if if something happens?
2: We had a very quick growth rate early on. And we knew that like, I think we grew, I guess you're right, about a half million a year or so up to about 1.5 million pretty quickly within like two, two, three years, we were doing 1.5 million. And then you know, being in the industry as long as we had, we knew that 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 for some reason, and I don't know why in remodeling it's this way, but that 1.5 million to 2 million jump is really tough. It, there's just a lot of systems I think that changed. And and this was, you know, back in the, the late aughts, early teens, it was tough. But then we jumped we jumped that hurdle probably about 2011, 2012. And since then it's been up. We do about four million a year now, a little over four million last year. And so it's primarily and and the focus of what we've done has done has changed as well. So, you know, we did a lot of kitchens and bathrooms and medium-sized remodels. And now we do a lot of whole house remodels. We do a lot of half million dollar projects and and beyond now. Because Allison and I, you know, and I learned to sell in the downturn in the economy in 08, we've always had that mentality of like, anybody who calls, we're going to talk to. So, you know, we'll still talk to people who want the bathroom model but we also seek out the the larger projects as well. We diversification is going to make us survive whatever the next downturn is.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, that's cool. And so, yeah, really it sounds like you guys knew you had to grow but then you also have kind of moved into some of the the larger projects. So is it you guys are sole owners now or is it still like you're still working through the transition plan or?
1: So Craig and I own 90% of the business and my dad owns 10%. And the agreement we've kind of set up is that that's how it'll ride out as long as he is still with us.
0: So, but he's
1: not part of the day-to-day operations or decision-making at all. It's Craig and I run run the day-to-day operations of everything.
0: So how do you guys split up like uh, responsibilities and, you know, that sort of thing?
1: So I'm the general manager. So I kind of oversee the big picture and everything and check in the departments. And Craig works as our primary salesperson and he manages the sales and marketing team. So I have my hand in a little bit of everything and he kind of more focuses on sales and marketing. We have a production manager who's been with us. Mark joined us in the early 90s. So he's been with us over 30 years. So he heads up the production department in collaboration with the two of us, we oversee everything.
0: Well, I'm curious, like what, what do you think are maybe some of the challenging parts of like having husband, wife team together? And then maybe what are like, Hey, this is awesome. Like these are the fun, fun parts.
1: I think the challenging part, and this is something we've been experiencing a lot lately is we feed off of each other's emotions. So if one of us has a bad day, we tend to bring the other person down, even when we're not trying to. In the same instance, when we're high, we're really high together. So we've been trying to work on that. And a lot of times we try to, you can't have a bad day, I'm having a bad day. We try Mm -hmm. try to take turns with that.
2: The interpersonal sort of battle that we have sometimes with that. Because, you know, I think a lot of people, even in our industry, you know, you have a bad day at work. You come home to your wife or your husband and you go... Oh, this happened today, and that happened today, and the wife or the husband's like, "Yeah, oh, I'm so sorry," you know, and is sort of empathetic. And I think sometimes with us, you know, what'll happen is I'll come home and I'll say, "Oh, this guy did this and that and the other," and it'll just feed and it'll, you know, and Allison will be like, "Yeah, I can't believe that," and all of a sudden it kind of grows to this, you know, sort of we're both stressed out by it, and so that's definitely a challenge that we we have a lot, you know. But there's great things, and like we talk, we have friends all the time that are like, "I can't believe the two of you work together. You were around each other," you know, and up until a year ago, we shared this same office. We were five feet away from each other. Now we have different floors. We're different floors. Now we have separate offices now, but but, you know, I I say it to everybody all the time. Like I can't imagine, like I wouldn't, like, I can't imagine us not working together. We've been doing it almost 20 years now and, and it works really well for us and it doesn't work well for everybody. And I think that part of it is to, you know, respect you know cuz we see it and i think in the contracting industry and i think you see it in all businesses like you know wives or husbands will come into the business and there's always that you know well she's the secretary or it's his business and she's helping out and that's definitely a struggle that Allison's had because it's a male dominated industry and she's female in it and so i think for us it's it's about not only industry wide building that respect but with each other building that respect and understanding that like you know and especially since it's her family business is is that we both have an equal part in this.
1: Yeah. And it, it's nice to be able to coordinate our schedules together when we need to. There's mm-hmm. not a lot of, I can't do that because my boss won't allow. It's We can work together to make what works best for our family and our business to, at the same time.
0: Book bonuses that go along with that. If you pick up a few extra copies for your friends and colleagues or your teammates. So it would mean a lot to me if you've been listening to this podcast for a while or even just a few episodes. If you've ever gotten any value out of it, head over to remodeler marketing blueprint.com and snag your copy today. All right, let's get back to the show. Well, what do you think has surprised you guys the most about entrepreneurship, business ownership?
2: People, people are hard. People are, I say all the time, I was like, I would love my job 100% if I didn't have any clients or employees. It would be great, but I don't think that a job exists anywhere. So no, I, I think that it is hard, it, you know, especially, uh, and I think we feel like the older we get and dealing with younger people is, is a challenge. It's definitely understanding, not only from like our client perspective and dealing with our clients, but our employees. And now that we've grown, like when, you know, there was a point, probably about my second or third year where we only had four or five employees counting ourselves. And now we're up to nearly 20 employees. And so you're dealing with just a lot of different personalities. And so I think that's, you know, that's definitely been a challenge for us. We do a thing in our company with all of our employees called the disc test. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's a personality test. It's where it works great for us. Cause not only do we have everybody take it. So we know how to talk to them, but we also train everybody in our company. So like we will train everybody on, Hey, if that person's a D here's ways to communicate with them. If that person's an S here's ways to communicate with them. That, we say it all the time. Like Allison is a high C. She is a detailed person. And so you can't come to Allison and be like, I think we should go and buy this. You know, you have to come to Allison and say, we need to invest in this because of these seven things and you have a better shot of making it work. So the disc test for us is very important.
1: I'm always surprised by how bad of communicators people are. And I think that that's something that we're constantly trying to train people on how to be better and how to be clear because to be unclear is to be unkind. And sometimes you don't, you think you've communicated and you haven't because you haven't communicated in a way that the other person receives the information. So I think that's, I think that's always our biggest challenge.
2: And it really throws people off sometimes in our industry. Cause like we'll hire a guy as a, as a laborer or an assistant carpenter, and he'll come in and like, he thinks he's going to show up the first day and go to the job site and start, you know, pushing a wheelbarrow around or cleaning up or working. And his first day is in the office and going through that disk task and doing onboarding. And it's, it's a process with us. And, I think we've matured enough as a company that we don't we don't just throw people in anymore and see what happens. So I, I think for us, it's it's a, it's really important for even guys down to that level to understand what it is, how important it is. Not only to communicate with each other, but to communicate with the clients as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well said. I'm curious. You know, in construction, there's always like a wacky client story, a crazy project, something off the wall. Anything coming to mind that you guys can share? Obviously, leave out personal details and that sort of
2: thing. <laughs> oh, do we have to leave out the personal? No, I mean, I think it's up to you. I just want to give you the out, you know. So. Yeah, no, I mean, there, I've, there's always, there's always wacky stories and and crazy ones. You know, we have a, a client right now that we're doing a very large whole house remodel for. And uh, we had just last year remodeled her basement and we finished a kitchen, a little bar area. We remodeled a nice living room, made it sort of perfect. And I don't know, maybe it was, well, six months, not even after that finished that project, she calls me and she's like, hey, I need you to come and remodel my whole house. And I was like, didn't I just remodel like a quarter of your house? And so unfortunately she had a pipe freeze and let go. That was that just destroyed everything in the whole house. And so we now have demoed everything that we did a year ago and are rebuilding that plus the other two thirds of the house that we didn't touch. Right,
1: But it's also a vacation house. And she never even saw the work we did the first time around because her kids use the place and she just, she lives in the city. And so everything we did was online with her. So she never even saw the first project, and she hasn't oh seen gosh. the damage. Or she's just doing everything remotely with us.
2: Yeah, that's that's a crazy one for sure.
0: Jeez. Well, I'm sure she'll be happy then with the the next finished product because maybe
2: she'll see that one. <laughs> <laughs> maybe she'll see the next finished one. We told her what it'll be. It should be done by the summer. She should be able to We're enjoy the summer. A party in own. House. I know she should <laughs> throw up. Yeah, right. We, we've been there more than she has the last two years. Oh, man. Yeah.
0: Well, that's unfortunate, but uh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It's always something, right?
2: Something unique. <laughs> always something unique. That's the thing about remodeling is that's it's always different. Like no two projects are the same. and, and No two days are the no same. No two days are the same. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. What's on the the horizon for you guys? You know, where are you trying to take the company in the next few years?
2: Yeah. I mean, Allison and I have, you know, de- definitely have a growth plan and and, and and kind of have really focused on that. I mean, I think for us expanding our service area is one thing that we really want to do. We're starting to learn as the industry changes, as, you know, costs continue to rise. And then unfortunately, I think it really starts to affect the People that can actually remodel their home and work on their home—it's—it's—it has become in a lot of ways cost prohibitive for people, which is unfortunate. You know, I can remember—I say this all the time. Like, I remember when I first got in the industry, we used to sell bathroom remodels for like ninety-five hundred dollars, and you get your whole bathroom done. I mean, now you can't remodel a bathroom for you know less than 30 grand it feels like so i think that for us that's one thing for sure is, is you know starting to be more targeted about the towns and the areas and and kind of grow and if you you know our area one of the places that we're looking to grow is is over to cape cod so to help us kind of do do that what else
1: and thinking about you know as we get older and our business develops what has to be true for us not to be the primary people every day? What hats do we need to hand off to other people? And what systems do we have to have in place to hand those things off successfully? So that's, yeah. for me, that's, we've been working on that, especially in my role for the last few years. And we've already, we've got three people doing three different roles that I used to do on top of what I'm doing now. So that's kind of like the the next thing for me is what's the next thing the two of us have to do to create systems that other people can step into those roles.
2: Well, I think that's something that, you know, we definitely learned with the experience of what happened with your father who had this business for whatever, for 40 years and, and wanted to retire, but hadn't put into place any of those things. And you see it all the time in our industry. Like the great, you know, there are carpenters who start businesses and run businesses, but they don't think about the business part of it. They think about, you know, having great quality and and all of those things, but they forget about, like, you have to start replacing yourself, and you have to fill in all those roles. And so, you know, we're in our mid-40s. We've got 15 or so years left running this business, and, and, you know, we're starting to think about, okay, well, what is our plan? You know, we need to. So we we've hired like we have two salespeople and and we have a marketing person. We just hired a bookkeeper a year and a half ago to start doing more bookkeeping and taking some of that off of Allison's plate. So it's it's more of those filling in those gaps as as we kind of as we kind of grow.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's awesome, and it, it's so interesting too because I think sometimes with like entrepreneurs and owners, you have a certain amount of capacity. And it seems like it's usually fairly large. And so it, it sometimes it takes two, three, four people to do, you know, what, what that one person was doing. And I think there's just some of it is capacity. But then the other piece of it is like, those people will expand that role and make it better, because they actually have the full time. And so, yeah, it's cool that you guys are, yeah, it sounds like you made several of those moves recently. And yeah, I'm sure it'll lead to a lot of those like micro improvements in those areas because that person's just like all in on that that one thing. So super yeah. cool. What do you think are a couple like industry challenges that, you know, we should all be kind of thinking about over the next 12, 24 months?
2: For me, the, I, mean, I do sales. Obviously, I think the biggest challenge that we're facing right now is the news media. I mean, the, the, the fact that you keep hearing about Terrible inflation and recessions coming and all of those things, it makes it very challenging for, you know, people to pull the trigger. And I think trying to, you know, help people understand the value of what we sell and the importance of maintaining their home. And, you know, we we use the cost versus value report that Remodeling Magazine puts out a lot to help educate people. Of like, look, look how important, look how much money, you know, look what you can gain plus your, you know. Yeah, enjoying living in your space, so I think for us, I see it, that as a as a challenge, especially over the next year, year and a half.
1: Yeah, and I think that another challenge is just continuing to communicate clear expectations in terms of what's happening in the market, availability of products, how to hire the right kind of contractor. You know, I'm constantly amazed to see on Facebook and social media these horror stories because people even though there's a lot of information out there, people still don't know what to ask or what to believe. And I think that that's a big challenge is trying to continue to communicate information, helpful information that will help people make good choices.
2: Yeah, and, and and I think the last challenge I could say is is definitely the workforce. And I'm sure you're hearing it from everybody. It's, you know, we've, you know, the education system in this country has taught people to go to high school and then go to college and then get a master's degree. And and those people aren't coming into, you know, the technical side of the the workforce. And so I think, You know, it's a challenge when you see, you know, in the state of Massachusetts, the average licensed construction supervisor is over the age of 50. The average plumber, licensed plumber is over the age of 55. And so that makes it a challenge in our industry as it starts to, you know, get tighter and tighter.
0: Yeah. And
1: that the kids who even, there are kids who want to go to trade schools, but our local trade school has like a wait list of like 200 kids on it. So Mm -hmm. even though there are kids who want to get into the trades, there isn't an avenue for them to do that through the, through the system. Right now, because the there's so such little, opportunity.
0: Yeah, yeah, it feels like we're gonna have to go the way of just like the classic apprenticeship, internship through ourselves, like through companies, you know, because of yeah, either lack of interest or and or availability, and yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds. I know a lot of companies I talk to, they do mention that, and then they also say, and we're trying to just solve our own problem, you know, mm-hmm. internally right. and. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure it'll be a combination of, of a few things of how, how we tackle it. But uh, yeah, I guess to wrap us up, I know you guys said you have a, a podcast. So you you guys are familiar with this. If anyone's listening, you can probably tell the sound quality is much better than, than most. Stuff. But uh, I'm you. curious to Good. learn a little bit more about that. But then also just other modelers are listening. So like final words of wisdom or last piece of advice you'd want to leave everyone with.
2: Yeah. So I'll talk about the podcast first. So Allison and I, for about two, two three years now, I've done a podcast called Married with a Business. You can find it on any of the podcast platforms that you probably listen to this one on as well. And we focus on just that, married couples that own and operate businesses together. We we share our stories about our challenges and the things that we're learning and the things that we've done right and things that we've done wrong as a married couple that own a business together. We also have a lot of great guests on to come, the married couples that come on and talk to us about what it's like to own businesses we've We've had people like Jesse and Emily Cole who own the Savannah Bananas baseball team and Kaylee and Robert Afukai who wrote Tandem, a book about being married and an entrepreneur. So we have a lot of great people on to, to also help educate you as well. So check it out, Married with a Business. You can also find our website, marriedwithabusiness.net. Yeah,
1: and I think i Some advice for other contractors and remodelers are continue to be creative. There's lots of good resources out there that we haven't tapped yet. The number of women who own remodeling companies and work in remodeling companies has continued to grow since I came in 20 years ago. It was really uncommon to see a woman contractor. And even when I got my license, there was no avenue for me to change my name because women weren't contractors 20 years ago. So, just continue to be creative and don't necessarily pigeonhole yourself to thinking it's got to be my son, my brother, whoever. There's a lot of great resources out there that may be out of the box for you.
0: Good deal. Craig, you want to leave us with any parting
2: words of wisdom? You got to remember we're a shrinking industry. There's a lot of opportunity out there and there's a lot of opportunity for growth as remodelers. There's a lot of opportunity for professionalism. And I think that's one thing that sometimes is lost in our industry is, you know, even if you're, you know, it's just you and two guys working on a job site and still selling it, estimating it and producing it like my father-in-law did. There's still opportunity for being professional out there. If it's, you know, finding a good software CRM, if it's just at, you know, dressing the part, being the part. I had a remodeler tell me once when I was really young, sometimes you gotta fake it till you make it. And so look as professional as you can, and then you'll grow to that professionalism if you if you try. Cool.
0: I like it. Well, Allison, Craig, I appreciate you guys carving out the time and sharing your story with us.
1: Thank you so much. This has been a blast.
2: Yeah, Spencer. Thanks so much, man.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Remodeler Stories. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave us a review. Every month we pick a winner and send out a free copy of my book, The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. Just leave a review over on iTunes to enter to win. See you next time.